Guys, SaaS Open is our next big event in New York City, March 16th and 17th. We'll have a thousand SaaS leaders all sharing how they built their companies. Our keynotes are Henry Shuck, Marie Martins from Tally.SAO, Serby from Symbol, Christopher of DocHub, who had a big exit. Again, hundreds of speakers, a thousand plus attendees. And we've got folks bringing their entire executive teams because we have stages for founders, heads of product, head of finance and BD, CMOs and CROs, and then a people in HR stage. It's going to be special. Prices are increasing every week, so you don't want to wait. Go to sasopen.com right now to see what the ticket price is and lock in your spot today. Again, that's sasopen.com, March 16th and 17th in New York City. Tickets are almost sold out. You are listening to Conversations with Nathan Latka, where I sit down and interview the top SaaS founders, like Eric Wan from Zoom. If you'd like to subscribe, go to gitlatka.com. We've published thousands of these interviews, and if you want to sort through them quickly by revenue or churn, CAC, valuation, or other metrics, the easiest way to do that is to go to gitlatka.com and use our filtering tool. It's like a big Excel sheet for all of these podcast interviews. Check it out right now at gitlatka.com. Questionpro.com finished 2022 at a 30000000 million run rate, up from $20 million back in 2019. He's bought five companies and done this all organically and bootstrapped since launching in 2005. Uh, it's a tool that helps you learn from your employees, learn from your customers, all through smart surveys and engagement tools. Check it out at questionpro.com. Hey, folks, my guest today is Vivek Bhaskaran. He is the CEO and founder of a company called Question Pro, Bootstrapped. He's done a lot of MA. Last time we spoke, he broke 19 million bucks in revenue, serving over 4,800 customers. He's now in warm and sunny San Francisco while I freeze down here in Austin. Vivek, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, sir. Let's go for it. <laughs> Second time. I love it. Second time. Your first, your, your, your recording when you presented on stage at one of our last events where you talked about how you used WhatsApp to text basically another founder and ended up closing a deal with your one page sort of LOI was a massive hit. Are you still today, even in a recession, looking at MA opportunities or no? Uh, I'm doubling down. I mean, in fact, I have three deals in the pipeline right now. Um, I think, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, from an M&A perspective, the kind of deals we do, like, you know, there are still deals to be made um, and uh, we're we're active. So guys, Question Pro helps you run surveys to do research, understand your customer's experience, and also get feedback from your employees to manage employee engagement. Vivek, with that context, how are you thinking about M&A? Do you go buy in adjacent product categories? Do you double down on the current niches you're in? How are you thinking about it? So we double down on the current niches we're in. So like you said, like you correctly, accurately pointed out there are three different buyers. I look at from the enterprise perspective, there are three buyers. Number one is consumer insights and market research. Somebody in a company doing research, um, they typically fall under marketing. Uh, second buyer is customer experience. So people are trying to figure out NPS, like you know, somebody's in charge of figuring out what's going on with the existing customers. How can we prevent churn? How can we upsell them? And the third component is HR, obviously, employee surveys, really. So any mm-hmm. um, any product or services that sells to each of these buyers, we are interested in. We are st- trying to kind of build it out. So so my model has been: look, look at a buyer, put the buyer in the center of our kind of you know sphere, and say everything that he spends on or he or she spends on, we want to have those tools and services around that. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's the kind of general pattern um, that I followed. Uh, so example, in fact, uh, Valerie from Sweet CX, she was on your show um, a couple of years ago, or maybe a year and a half ago, really. So she she built a journey mapping platform 
for the CX buyer, if you think about it. So we do the service for the CX buyer. She built the journey mapping platform for the CX buyer. So we kind of combined forces and we acquired them actually last year. So we acquired- Bro, uh, where's my 1% <laughs> fee? Come on, man. Okay. 1% is the hourly, you know, the time that I, oh, actually, you know what? The poker money. Since you kill me on <laughs> poker every time I spend a grand with you on <laughs> poker. So the poker uh, money is your 1%. You I know. love, I love that. Well, congrats on getting that deal done. How's it going? You know, a lot of people say you buy a company and it's so hard to actually merge two companies. How many companies have you bought since you founded the company in 2005? And how is the CX integration going with Valerie? Yeah, so uh, it, when people say it's hard, it is hard. I mean, it's not it's not an easy thing. Um, there's cultural issues, the tech issues are you know there are cultural issues, tech issues, and then obviously business. The business issues are the easiest one, right? You know what? Look, look, we're gonna cross sell, blah blah blah. So it's pretty straightforward. Cultural is the hardest one. Tech is kind of in the middle, realistically, right? So, um, and from a you know with Valerie and obviously Valerie and I hit it off, but there are a lot of you know, it's not just Valerie. She's got a bunch of people. They don't you know usually you have at least twenty percent attrition. I would argue anytime you do a deal, twenty percent of the people um, in in the in the selling company will just leave no matter what, no matter what you do, really, because they are like hey, it's a, it's a good kind of like you know break point if you will. The way I look yeah. at it, it's a break point, right? So look, you know, if you're working for a company that got sold, you'll be like, let's take a break, okay? Let's see what's going on, and then once you start looking, you know, you're gonna find something. Quite frankly, you're gonna leave. Um, so. Um, so I think we are kind of, so in my kind of experience, the first time it was kind of a shock, like, look, you know, we lost a bunch of people, uh, but the next time, we, and the third time they're like, look, I'm expecting 20 to 30% attrition by that. And how many have you done? So how many acquisitions have you done since? Uh, we've done like five, six or five or seven. Yeah. Between five and seven. Uh, honestly, the first ones were pretty small. Uh, they were only asset deals. Um, and later on, as we got better at it, um, now we kind of like, we still do asset deals, but we kind of like are looking for more asset plus, um, you know, asset as in tech plus customers plus, you know, the standard operation. You know, we want customers, we want uh, we want people from a, you know, from an HR perspective and um, obviously some tech um, uh, from a software perspective. Um, and the other thing that I want to kind of like, my lesson learned, I would argue is, um, from a tech uh, tech integration perspective, uh, the first time I did it, I did not rewrite the platform. We rewrite their code base, um, and I that's in fact um, in long term a huge mistake, right? So because now you have multiple code bases, and my team doesn't want to work on that, or, and there's all this all these cultural issues start coming into play. Uh, so what I've started to do now is like hey, you know we model the acquisition such that we are going to rewrite the code base. End of story, right? So, uh -huh. so upfront, we say like, look, we're going to buy this awesome piece of tech, but we're going to rewrite it because we have a way and, you know, we have a team and we want to manage it. Um, and that is, well, that seems a little expensive, but that's what you want to do in the long run. Um, because otherwise you'll have a hodgepodge of, you know, you know, these guys use Ruby, those guys use Java, these guys use Python. And now you have like, you know, you know, it, it's a shit show at that point. Um, so if you're not ready to rewrite the tech, uh, I'd say like, then you're, you are in for a lot of pain in terms of, you know, uh, if you're just going to buy to unload the company, then yeah, I you don't care. But if you're going to, if you're going to stick around with it for you know, three to five years, then, um, you know, then you can even model the the cost of the rewrite into the acquisition price realistically right like okay like post post deal it's going to take us a, a year year and a half to rewrite your tech and here's how it's going to cost um and rewriting tech is actually not that complicated once you know what to build the key thing that valerie did was like all right cool we know exactly what the uh, what the product market fit is everything's working people are paying for it oh oh it's written in you know php and 
something else. Okay, cool. We, we need to write it in Node and React and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So that's you know that's a fairly um, easy task or easy revenue. Task. Nothing, not, nothing is easy. What revenue multiple did you pay for Sweet CX? Uh, Sweet CX, we were like 2x, I think. No, not a ton, but not, I mean, you know, so it's not, it's not super low ball either and, you know, not 5x, 10x either. So, so, um, so I think it was, a, it ended up being 2x, um, with, with some, with some kickers. If, you know, if, uh, it could go up all the way to 3x, uh, if, if, if certain kind of obviously benchmarks are met. How do you structure the two x? You know, obviously, there's the deal price, which is two x, and there's the deal structure. Is it all cash up yep. front, options, earnouts, kickers? How do you think about yeah, that? Yeah, all of the above, all of the above, really, right? Like, so we have to be slightly more creative. So we don't have, you know, we don't we want to conserve cash, like you know, frankly, everybody, <laughs> realistically. Yep. So uh, from a from a uh, from a buyer's perspective, we want to we want to de-risk ourselves, conserve as much cash as possible, while still getting the deal past the finish line. Simply put, right? Mm-hmm. That's the way I look at it. Um, and and in my case, um, kind of what what I kind of get down to is like how much how, what's you know everybody's got a minimum cash requirement, frankly, right? I mean, every founder has got some sort of in their head, you know. In, I think it's in the head, frankly, most of the time. It's like, okay, look, this is much. This is the cash I need. Um, and that's what I really kind of hone into and say, like, okay, look, can I provide you? Can I be comfortable with dropping this much cash up front, realistically? Yeah. So that's kind of the you know ultimately, uh, Nathan. That's kind of what it comes down to. Boils down to everything else is kind of like you can hedge against almost everything, both sides. But if your minimum cash, if you said like, look, if in your head like I gotta I, I gotta exit this business with at least ten million cash, then you gotta find somebody who's comfortable dropping a $10 million check cash up front. Now the deal price could be 30 million or 10 or 20 million or 40 million. But if that, if your, if your upfront price tag is what it is, um, um, that's what matters. Um, that's what kind of like, that's what I zone into. Um, at least the kind of the deals that I do that I zone into is like, okay, how much do you need to kind of like, you know, where you not walk away from it. So if we can get to that number, then then I then we can negotiate on the rest of the components, really, right? And if I can pay upfront, and then the rest do I pay over time, over two years, over three years, over one year, and do I pay stock cash or stock or you know warrants or whatever it is? So all those things can be can be structured. Uh, uh, but to me, like the most important negotiation negotiating position is the upfront cash element because uh, that makes or breaks a deal. Simply put, right? Like, and if you really and, and it's a subjective argument, frankly, for the most part, subjective argument. Like, look, you may want you know, it is what it is, what you want for an, on a personal level, realistically. So for Sweet CX on day one, what was your current cash exposure, i.e. your sunk cost if everything fails? 1x, 1x. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, when she came on my show back in March of 2022, she says she had about 850K of ARR with 30 paying customers. So your total yeah. cash exposure on day one was effectively something like 800K. Yeah, a little less than eight, 700 and change, I think, right? 700 okay. and change was my exposure. And how did you get one. her? I mean, a lot of people that want to be like you and buy other companies are going to go, how did Vivek get Valerie comfortable paying, you know, a 1x cash up front for this? Obviously, there's kickers over time, but how did you, how, why was she okay with that number? How did you get her there? Well, uh, I think two things. One, uh, uh, I flew in and met, met with her on day one, straight up. Uh, I wanted the deal. Uh, and I think this goes down to basic kind of sales, really. Like, like you want a deal, you just you know go and go and chase it down. Um, uh, even though obviously we were the we, we were the acquiring company, it doesn't. It's not beyond me to just pick up, you know, go catch a flight to Charlotte, North Carolina, and sit down with her and spend a day with her, saying, "Hey, look, I really want to do this deal. Uh, I may not be able to pay you." Kind of, you know, what you exactly want. I did. Obviously, she wants more than one X cash upfront, 
materialistically, right? So I may not be new, but uh, here's our, here's our, who, here's how we are, here's how the combined company, here's how, here's the things that we bring to the table that you don't have. You don't have a go-to-market function. It's pretty weak. Let's assume that we have a much stronger go-to-market function. Um, yes, we have. We don't have a product. You have the product, so let's kind of marry the two together, and we can sell the sell the shit out of it. And then these are other kind of components that we bring to the table in terms of you know uh, size and kind of like you know SOC two compliance and this a bunch of other randomized stuff realistically, right? So, uh, so going back to your question, how how do we you know uh, you know the key one of the key things was like you know I kind of like leaned into it, and the second thing is obviously she saw the benefit in terms of her long term value. She you know and and we structured the deal such that you know. Again, we are not a private equity company. We don't we don't want to fuck people over their earnouts. Honestly, we I think I've never ever kind of not paid an earnout. Uh, but if you ask the same question to a PE company, you can get that ratio. It's, I've, it's I've done it. I've done it many times, and they <laughs> you rarely go. see the earnout if you're in a, being bought by a PE company. Exactly. So, uh, and that's the other reason why people want to kind of like work with me. Also, like I mean, I think I'm pretty sure she would have probably sold it for even a slightly better price to a PE guy. Uh, but they, but they, but she wanted to be part of, you know, a, frankly, a regular normal company, right? Not, not, not be bought and sold fifteen times. How do you, um, how do you get her? Co- so you're negotiating. You're saying, listen, Valerie, I'm happy to pay a two x multiple here with a path to three x over time. The upfront cash is going to be about eight hundred k, which was one x of her ARR, about one x of her ARR at the time. But in order for her to see value in the extra upside, you know, the two x and then getting to three x. I assume you're giving her some sort of options or warrants. You've got to defend your valuation or the value of Question Pro to her so she sees value in those options. How do you go through that? I mean, the good news for me is like there's like enough public conversations that have happened on my in my business. I mean, look, there's Qualtrics, there's Medallia, there's Survey Monkey, there's a whole bunch of really large players realistically, right? So they have some sort of a benchmark, right? Right. Agreed that we are not publicly valued in any particular shape, way, shape, or form, but we are big enough right now. We are doing 30 million bucks in revenue. So it's like, it's not like 30 you know, million is what you finished last year with, or yeah, that's your last current year. runway? Yep. Yeah, last oh, wow. year. So we 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 finished twenty twenty two with thirty million bucks. So it's not like we're a small. And what like do you think entity. you'll finish this year with? Well, the target is forty. So let's 40, see. Okay, and that's <laughs> going to be organic, or does that include some M and A in there? No, organic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the M and A's are going to be small here, like not like five million M and A. Maybe we do one or two deals of like maybe a million bucks here and there, but not necessarily like ninety percent. My expectation is eighty, at least eighty percent of that is going to be organic. Maybe twenty percent, you know, M and A, but. You know, yeah, maybe eighty twenty is kind of the benchmark that I would put. So, how did you defend that? Like, you're you're buying. When did you close the deal with her, Sweet CX? Uh, last year, late last year, like uh, okay, like, uh, October of last year. It took okay. it took a long time. I'll be honest, it took a long time because she had to get super comfortable with me over a period of time. Um, it was probably the longest kind of how long since initial since first conversation to close. Almost six six to eight months, dude. Right, and usually wow. I've never spent this much time. Um, most of my, at least personally. But I mean, it was obviously like every deal, uh, it almost fell apart uh, till obviously we kind of pulled through and both of us kind of pulled through towards the end. Because why, is it, worth your, why is it worth your time? I mean, you're rewinding the whole code base. She only has a million in revenue and 30 paying customers. It takes six months of your time. Why, why is it worth it? Uh, because, it, you know, she's got an expertise in that particular market that we just don't have straight up. I mean, I'll tell you, like she can sell journey mapping better than anybody I've ever seen in my entire life. Right. So yes, it's a pretty small number. Um, but, um, it's an important kind of element in the ecosystem, right? So if you don't have journey mapping, you know, if you think about CX ecosystem, large companies start the conversation off with journey mapping. They don't start off with saying, Hey, let's do an NPS program together. They start off with, let's understand the journey of the customer, then find the touch points and then find the 
kind of different elements that we need to measure. So from my perspective, um, that was an important element in that customer buying journey, right? So if we can get that earlier, we can get the latter part. So that was a thesis. That and that's that's why I spent, um, if it was just another survey company with like, you know, doing the same thing, then, you know, obviously it's not, it's just revenue acquisitions. So yeah. it's kind of like- but, So right around kind of close day, Doof, this was late last year, you must've been doing something around like 27, 28 million run rate. What what did you value? Yeah, based off public comments, what do you value the business at as of close date, like October last year? Uh, so we kind of have an internal kind of like benchmark of a five X simply put, okay. right? It's not, it's not 10, it's not three either, realistically. That's the way we kind of like think about ourselves. Um, so that'd be about 140 million valuation end of last year is what you think. Yeah. hundred, a little south of that, like 120 would probably what I would put it at and say like, look, you know, 20, 24 ish, 25 ish, you know, in that range in terms of you know, revenue. So then let me, then let me ask you a question because Tom and Bravo got very aggressive in this space in October as well. They, they spent 800 million previously on a majority stake in user zoom. They spent another 1.3 yep. billion buying Alfonso's yep. company, which he's been on the show many times for 1.3 billion. You know, their revenue is not that much higher than, I mean, Alfonso's at like 75 in ARR, right? So you're called, you know what is that like a third of his did Tama bravo ask you did, did they they put a deal in front of you no no i think we are kind of below the radar i would argue so we're still kind of under the radar we've not raised money so kind of like it's so nobody's shopping us around at uh, you know at, at any any aggressive kind of way uh my goal is to get i think if i can get to 70 i mean i think there is a difference between a 30 and 70 honestly um at 70 people look at you and say like look we can get you to 200 or 300 even at 30 getting yeah, i mean they paid 1.3 billion for 80 million in a barr at user testing that's a 16x multiple compared to what you value yourself at which you just told us is like a 5x you're saying the reason there's a delta there is because you just need more scale to get a higher multiple Correct. That's my that's my analysis, realistically, right? Yeah. Like, you know, there's a, you know, just like there's a difference between like, you know, a $10 million company and a $30 million company, there's a difference between a 30 and a $70 million business straight up, really, right? So, so I think the, 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 the kind of like the, the trigger is like in the, in the 60, 70 range where people can look at that and say like, can we get this to 200, 300, 400 really? Right. Yeah. Um, and that's a linear argument. Not, I mean, it's still a pretty, pretty, pretty big lift, but it's a linear argument. Right. But, but from 30 to 300 is still a pretty, a lot of things have to happen. Um, so, which is what I'm kind of working on right now. Like if I can get to somebody, um, then, then I think we can get, you know, a 10, you know, we can get in the double digit multiple range fairly easily. I would just love to point. see you go on a buying spree during a recession. You're in such a healthy position. I just feel like you could go up to like 50, 60 million this year in revenue if you can find the right companies to buy. And by the way, your buddy Nathan's got a little debt fund where if you need to fund those <laughs> boys. Yes, sir. Plug that we, shit in, brother. We, Plug that we shit. can make that happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, that's awesome, though. Congrats, Vivek. This is a really impressive story. Look, we've only focused on economics and M&A. I want to give you a chance to promote the platform here briefly because I know a lot of our listeners will enjoy it. If people want to test the platform, where can they find you? Actually, you know what? I have a better deal for you. I'm I'm launching a, a startup program where, like, if you're a startup, it's fucking free, dude. That's it. I don't even want to. You know, it's it's you know, What's just like every other. Uh, question for us slash startups question for our slash startups really right. And uh, I'll send you a link also. But like, yeah, I mean, just apply for it and. And it's ten thousand dollars software we give you for free. It's not no bullshit. It's not like two months, three months. It's the whole year, and it's the full blown software. It's not like a shitty version of our software either. So it's like that's you know, amazing. And guys, uh, his eligibility so, requirements for that is the startup has to be less than thirty six months old. You have to raise under to have ten million under that raised, and you have to be incorporated yeah. with a domain name. 
Yeah, uh, not like, love you know, that. I got, I, I got an idea and like, you know, give me some free software. Like, no, come on, dude, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta at least get a goddamn domain name. Go, go, go pay that. Go pay GoDaddy at least like eight bucks to get a register a goddamn yeah. Yeah, domain name. Well, guys, Vivek, Vivek, you know, I have a list of heroes in the bootstrap SaaS space. The founders, I think we need to be celebrating, putting on magazine covers, putting them on cable, promoting the hell out of them. Vivek is one of them. He's competing against so many competitors with hundreds of millions of VC funding. He continues to just grind away since 2005, keep growing, buy other bootstrappers come speak on our stages he's an incredible human being so check it out questionpro.com forward slash startups check that out vivek let's wrap up here with the famous five number one favorite book uh, i've not read a book in a long time dude but uh ray dalio's principles is still fucking you know on the money number two is there a ceo you're following or studying uh, i used to follow business be- before he became a dick but that's all right <laughs> <laughs> Number three, what's your favorite online tool for building Question Pro besides one of your own? Uh, so I'm uh, I'm a fan. Uh, I love Balsamic. Recent, recent, it's not an online tool, but like, you know, like, yeah, Figma is great, but Balsamic is even like, it gets kind of the information architecture really quickly, really fast in terms of what I want to get done. And you don't need to have, you know, you don't get caught up with the UI design elements. You get the information elements really quickly, really fast. And Balsamic is a desktop app. So when you're on a Delta flight and they say you have Wi-Fi and it turns out you don't have Wi-Fi, you can use That's Balsamic, true. but you can't use Figma, right? That's how I That's use right. Balsamic. <laughs> That's right. you, I know you use it. I know you use it for, for your path and a couple yes. of tools, right? It, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, own, yeah. Right? Number four, Vivek, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? I uh, try to get eight. Usually end up getting six. Okay. And situation, married, single kids? Uh, two kids, uh, two teenagers, actually. Uh, 12, uh, 13 and no, she's just, uh, she's not told 13 and 15. So it's like a different lifestyle now. When they were younger, it was different. New job in San Francisco, right? Yeah. She finished off her PhD in psychology and she went back to school late and she got a, got a job. Um, and so we kind of said like, let's, let's pack our bags and go to San Francisco for a couple of years. All right, Vic. And how old are you? I'm 47, 46, 46 46 years young. Last question. Something you wish you knew when you were 20. Oh, I had hustled harder when I was in 20. I said, like, I mean, I think I started hustling when I was 24, 25. I wish, like, you know, I had started my company when I was right out of college. Um, uh, it's been the best thing I've ever done in my life. I, I don't think I can ever work for anybody. <laughs> so. Guys, questionpro.com finished 2022 at a $30 million run rate, up from $20 million back in 2019. He's bought five companies and done this all organically and bootstrap since launching in 2005. Uh, it's a tool that helps you learn from your employees, learn from your customers, all through smart surveys and engagement tools. Check it out at questionpro.com. Vivek, thanks for taking us to the top. All right. Cheers, man. See ya.